Welcome to the CCFR Radio Podcast, your source for news, updates, and stories from the CCFR. everybody, welcome to episode 153 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Rod Giltak, and thanks for joining me again. Today is another supplementary podcast. Well, I think we only did really did one, which is this one. But we did the podcast last week. This is a supplementary one this week, so it'll be a little bit shorter than normal. And then we'll have the regular, regularly scheduled podcast next week. So uh, because it's kind of a, just a short episode, uh, a little bit of an extra one, we're not going to have any sponsor uh, announcements. I got to up update those anyway. I haven't had time because I was in Ottawa all last week, uh, as some of you may know. Um, and also kind of a bonus coming next week is we're going to have a new theme song, very kind of similar to the one that we have. But, you know, it's funny, YouTube, it's really great that YouTube has uh, a way of policing copyright. But the music that we use for the <laughs> kind of insider information, the music that we use for the podcast um, was licensed through a service called Audioblocks. And even though that our the, the, the CCFR's YouTube channel is registered with Audioblocks, and even though we've paid that subscription for like a decade, I every once in a while get a, a copyright dispute. And how that works, if, if you're not familiar with YouTube, but basically anyone, I don't know what the process is like because I don't do copyright disputes, like I don't dispute anybody else's copyright. Um, but I guess you can just be like, yeah, that's, uh, that video is using my music. Um, I want revenue from it. And you may have noticed that we don't monetize our YouTube channel. Like, I think there's maybe a couple things monetized, but we don't, for the most part, monetize it because I don't need the hassle in censorship. I don't need copyright disputes. And I don't need people to be watching um, ads when we have important content for them. So um, while it would be a stream of revenue, we just, we just don't do it. But if someone, so anyway, the re reason I'm telling you this is if someone files a copyright dispute and it's upheld, you don't, you don't dispute it and provide evidence that you have the rights to use whatever copyright, they can, you, they can have YouTube monetize your video so they'll show ads and then they'll keep the money. And it's through the evolution of YouTube, now, now you have massive abuse where people just in a, you know, indiscriminately just accuse other people of copyright infringement through the YouTube system. And then if those people don't respond, they end up getting the, getting revenue off of those people's videos, right? So anyway, it's such a mess. So what I do is I wrote our own theme, very similar. I used to uh, do that kind of stuff, uh, I guess sort of semi-professionally. So anyway, I got a, a new theme song. And guess what? The CCFR owns it. So <laughs> no, more, no more garbage with these copyright disputes when you actually pay for the license. So anyway, you'll, uh, you might notice that next episode. You can comment on it if you want. Anyway, um, everything that we're going to discuss today, I'm going to discuss with Tracy Wilson on Skype. So let's get right down to it. All right, via Skype, we've got Tracy Wilson of the CCFR. Wilson! There it is. All right. Um, how are you? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I just got back from Alberta yesterday and yeah, things are just as crazy as they are every other week. So. I haven't seen you forever, like for days. <laughs> it feels like days since I've seen you. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But we'll get into all that. This is a supplementary podcast, um, not the regularly scheduled one. Uh, this is just to kind of give you guys a quick update because there's so much going on right now. But even so, we've got a lot of stuff to cover. So we're going to get started right now. So the first thing we want to talk about is CCFR versus Canada, as you're probably all aware. 
uh, Justice Kane of the Federal Court of Canada ruled against the CCFR and everyone else that was uh, part of that case on every single grounds. And basically, it was a pretty scant decision um, when you read it and just basically says, yeah, I agree with the government. You said this, the government said that, and I agree with the government on every single <laughs> on every single point of our application. And most of the other applicants were with us on, on many of our points. And some people were only there for one point at all. But it was... Uh, yeah, it was a, a bit of a brutal ruling, so we made the decision to appeal it to the uh, the uh, Court of Appeal. Yeah, that's right. So it's our opinion that the Justice Kane erred in her interpretation and application of the law. Um, so, yeah, we're going to take it to the appeals court. And at the end of the day, we promised gun owners that we leave no avenue unexplored nor rock overturned, and we meant it. So we're going to keep fighting. And if we can't... Uh, get a political solution in the meantime, then the courts is where a battle space is. So yeah, we're going to keep fighting. Yeah. Well, some people have out there were like, oh, you guys are going to lose the whole time or, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, there's always a chance we're going to lose. And we're fighting the government and the judiciary, yeah. which are supposed to be a hedge on each other's power. But at the same time, it's like these people all sort of run in the same circles, right? So yes, yes it's it's difficult to get a ruling, especially if you're now I don't want to I don't want to prejudice anything, but <laughs> to me, here's how it feels. And I was just complaining to this to our our general counsel. It seems like when criminals are being defended, the the courts come and they're like, oh, that's unconstitutional. That's against the charter. It's just like it def <laughs> they get defended like crazy. Right. And, just, you know, so mm -hmm. these these criminals walk free. And then when regular people are saying, well, that's uh, you know, that's not, that's not fair. And this, you know, you guys clearly did not have the authority for this. It's like, nope, I, here's your story. Here's the government story. I side with the government. It's like government rubber, rubber stamping, at least. I don't know if that lines up with reality, but that's what it feels like. Well, it does feel like that because you see so many cases where it almost feels like our, our legal system, I don't necessarily want to call it a justice system, but our legal system seems to protect and favor you know, kind of the underbelly of society. And here we are just regular everyday Canadians who are being wronged by their government. And yeah, it's just getting the green light. So yeah, that's a problem for us. Yeah. Well, I, and the reason I brought it up is, is that, you know, yeah, there's, there's a, a good chance that, that we would lose. There was an equally good chance that we would win. There's an equally good chance that we'll win on an appeal, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you don't do these things. Because when you are trying to make life miserable for people that are in government that are doing terrible things to you for only purely political reasons, you have to fight them every single way that you can. You can't sit back and say, well, I'm not going to do that because it'll probably fail. I'm not going to do that because it'll probably fail. I'm not going to do this because they're going to side with their friend. Like, what, what are you going to do then? So yeah. <clears throat> we're doing the legal solution and we're, we're pounding them. And anybody that's followed this case knows full well how hard we went on the government, probably unlike anything they've ever seen before because normal people don't have the resources that we do as a community when we all stand together. But at the same time, we're working that political solution. We're going to talk more about that later um, when it comes to the Scrap C21 project. But we are, we're hammer, hammering them politically and we're hammering them legally. And you got to do everything to, to make life as difficult for these people and make them think twice about doing more, you know? That's right. Yeah. Anyway. That's kind of key right there too. But you know, somebody famous once said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. So we're going to keep at it. Yeah, yeah. We're not intimidated mm -hmm. by these people. 
That's right. So um, we made that decision to appeal and we announced it in a press conference when I was in Ottawa last week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've held multiple parliamentary press conferences in West Block and we did so again last week while you were here. Um, it's a really nice tangible piece of evidence that we can point to when we want to, you know, voice our opinion or our stance on or our position on a certain thing. So it was an opportunity for you to react to C21 and your testimony and your experience um, testifying before committee, as well as to officially announce. I mean, we had put it out on the socials and, you know, maybe said a few things here and there, but this was sort of our official announcement that, yeah, we're going to appeal that decision. We believe it's wrong and we're going to we're going to keep going. So, yeah, I, I really like doing those. Um, sometimes we get a lot of reporters. We've had six or eight at some of them. And I think this time we had one or two in there. But, yeah, there was some 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 pressing questions for Mr. Giltaka. So, yeah, there was, was a good. few pressing questions. Unfortunately, I answered them all because I think she was directing them. It was, a, it was a back and forth exchange, kind of a one on one, which I forgot about. And then next thing you know, she's like she was done. And then there was no other questions. I'm like, oh, I didn't didn't get you to answer any. But you know, that's perfectly fine. You know what? You'd kind of been on a roll, and yeah, I don't. To me, it's about we we need to to put out the best message and do the best work that's that's possible for gun owners. It's not a you know I'm not not keeping score. Don't worry, I get my knocks in at the government all the time. So yes, you do yeah. actually. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, uh, so of course I testify to the Senate. And yes. that was uh, that was pretty interesting. We're not going to show any clips in this episode just because we're going to save them all for the <coughs> next one. And we'll have lots of fun. There's so many. Well, as, as, as predicted, we will have clips all the way through Christmas. Um, but uh, the Senate testimony went fairly well. And one of the things that, uh, that I noticed is that the exchanges, I was ready for basically the same experience I had in the House committee with Talib Nur Muhammad, that lunatic, and his oh God. crazy uh, <laughs> friend, uh, Pam Damoff. Like the most abhorrent behavior, the most disrespectful yes. behavior towards the people that elected them. Um, and I was ready for that at the Senate because I did see a little bit of that in other, um, in other testimony before I got there. Right. And so I was ready for literally everything. I, was, I prepared for that appearance that... I don't, we didn't even get an hour. I think it was about 45, 50 minutes. And mm. I prepared for three weeks for that because <laughs> we were ready for some awesome clips there. But I was really surprised at how polite the tenor was, the tone, and how good the majority of the questions were. Yeah. it To me, it was really interesting because, yeah, I think, um, you know, I was – you know, in the days leading up to this, I was, you know, we're doing a little role playing. I'm kind of throwing things at you, pretending to be, you know, tr pretending to treat you the way you were treated by Talib in uh, House Committee. Um, and it's just good practice so that you've you've got your your answers ready to go, right? And it was like totally unnecessary because, for the most part, most of the questions were um, good and thoughtful. And relative to C21, there was a few senators who, you know, tried to meander down the path and, and try and, you know, look at things that they were trying to discredit you with. Um, you know, but you, you were having none of it. And in fact, you did a really good job of sort of refocusing them back on what's important, regardless of what you think of our website or our stances or my mean tweets or any of these other, uh, you know, things that they're constantly picking at. That's not what you're there for. 
the taxpayers pay for these really expensive, fancy committee meetings so that you can study the legislation and talk about the impacts on Canadians. That's what the point is of being there. So asking you any other questions is actually irrelevant and it's it's sort of offensive because that's not that's not what that committee is for. It's to study that particular piece of legislation. So you did a really good job of keeping them, you know, turning them around when they were starting to go down that path and just say, hey, I'm here to talk about the bill. And that's what we're we're here to do, which is which is true and factual and very important. Yeah. And you know what? Mm-hmm. One of the other things I just remembered while you were talking is that um, we had, what was it? It was Senator Kutcher. And he said, and I'm, we're going to show the clip. We'll talk about it again in the next episode, right? But you remember mm-hmm. he was like, I've gotten, you know, tons and tons and tons of, of letters, mail from, uh, from gun owners. And <laughs> I think he had said, all wanting them to watch the video that we produced. Yeah, that's what he said. Which which yeah. is great, right? And and everybody watched <laughs> it, which is which is good. And it just shows that, because my position was take 18 minutes to find out what the position is of the CCFR and the 100,000 Canadians that support us, right? That's, that's as big as some of the biggest unions in the country, right? right? So take that 18 minutes. I think you probably should do that as part of your job. And they, and they did, which I was really happy about. And yeah, then he did. complained that he hadn't gotten a single letter in support of Bill C-21. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because somebody had put out... I don't know if it was Polly or somebody had put out a video about that. And I'm like, so wait a minute, you're being bombarded by people, Canadians, taxpayers, constituents, whatever you want to call them, who are opposed to C21, who are affected by it, who are complaining about it. And not a single Canadian anywhere from coast to coast to coast wrote you to say, Senator, please support this bill. Hmm. I don't know. I call me crazy, but maybe you should gauge the gauge the atmosphere in Canada by that. Yeah, right? read the like, room, bro. You know what does that yeah. tell you? Well, and it's funny because then Polly will complain that you know we're getting people to write in. It's like, well, yeah, they're primary stakeholders. They're the very people targeted by this bill, not criminals, not gangbangers or gun smugglers. It's these licensed gun owners. So yes. They are directly impacted. Of course, they should write in or call in and, and voice their opposition. Like, I don't know. It's just it's just silliness. Right? I know it is. It's pretty crazy. But anyway, I thought I thought that was interesting. Uh, but we'll have lots of clips. We'll have lots of little stories from the from the road stories from the uh, from the Senate appearance and the press conference and the other stuff that we did in Ottawa. Um, but um, when we put that up, what video was this? It was the sec. Yeah, SECD meeting that we put up on the YouTube channel. I was scanning some of the comments because when I do something like that, I mean, of course, I'm going to be like, well, I don't know how I did because when you're there, it's very hard to, you know, you got your, you know, your mind is running 100 miles an hour to, you know, make sure that you're, you know, focused. You're listening to, you know, the person that's talking. What is the question they're answering? You know, and formulate your own answer instead of going off, you know, into the wild, which is easy when you're not good at, at, um, at doing interviews or stuff like that. It's the easiest thing in the world or where you find yourself is going off talking about something else like that. Oh, and it's so hard to come back out of that. Like once you've gone down yeah, that totally, rabbit hole, right? it's like, so, so it takes a lot of, a lot of discipline, a lot of, uh, a lot of energy. So I looked down um, when, when the video went up on our YouTube channel, I went and I looked at all the, the comments and I found one that I really liked that really 
And it's pretty funny. It's lots of, of people just, you know, thank you so much for this or that. Or you did great or whatever. And, and thank you so much for those comments. I really appreciate that. But this one is the way that I see the world. So I want to read it for you. Okay. So uh, Crawford Goodwin 3835, I think, is what that says. It says, like many have said before, thank you for representing me uh, with such cool, calm, and rational tone. <laughs> this is the part that I like. You don't get my donations and memberships. You earn them. And I'm happy to be a part of what supports you. And like to me, that's, and I actually responded to it, but to me, that's what it's all about. I don't want people to support me or to support you or the CCFR or what we do just because that's what they should be doing. I want them to say, well, these people are working their butts off every single day and they're coming up with ideas that no one in the entire history of firearm advocacy ever came up with, much less had the you know, the will to do it. Like, yeah, just, you we want to earn it. Yeah. Support, support us when we earn your support. <laughs> Don't just be like, oh, you should be supporting these groups. It's like, you know, we, I want to earn that. And, and I think, I think if we all had that attitude, man, we get a lot, a lot done. Right. So yeah, I really appreciate yeah. that recognition that we, we do work every day and we are earning your support. We're not just asking for it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah. that triggered me for some reason. <laughs> but uh, Uh-oh, Rod's triggered. I'm triggered. Anyway, tell us uh, tell us about this a huge story that broke really, really, really big, actually. That's not getting yeah. enough, near enough attention. But this is about the uh, liberal uh, buyback um, program and uh, an ATIP that was filed by uh, a reporter over at the National Post. Yeah, so Brian Passifume from National Post put out this article, and it's interesting because you'll you'll remember all back through this whole thing since the beginning, since May May 2020, when they did the big gun ban and then talked about their buyback confiscation program, which is what we should call it, a confiscation program. Um, Bill Blair was, you know, touting numbers for media and for the public of, you know, that it's going to cost a little bit of money. It's going to be, you know, between 400 and 600 million dollars to do this buyback. Now we all know that's completely, you know, out to lunch. It'll be considerably more than that. And interestingly enough, this ATIP shows, and these are from documents back from 2019, a slideshow presentation that was provided to, I assume, the Department of Public Safety. And within there, it shows that it's actually, they estimated it would cost $1.8 billion. So, you know, between 400 and 600 million, let's, let's go halfway. $500 million to almost $2 billion. That's four times as much as what they told Canadians. So not only did Bill Blair outright lie to Canadians about how much this um, confiscation program was going to cost taxpayers should they ever do it, but he full well knew that. And to me, that's interesting because not only did, not only did they sit on this information and keep it from Canadians, but these documents date back to 2019, before the tragedy in Nova Scotia. So they had this whole plan and, you know, okay, we're going to ban a bunch of guns. You know, here's the, here's the guns that we're going to ban. Here's how we're going to do it. We're going to have a confiscation program. They had all of these plans made and laid out back in 2019. And then they sat on it. And they waited for an opportunity to surface where they knew it would get the most support. So what did they wait for? Um, they waited for the Nova Scotia shooting. So you get a tragedy that happens and Canadians are vulnerable, right? The, the whole country, you and I included, everybody 
was devastated with what happened in Nova Scotia. It was unimaginable. It was terrifying. It was tragic. Families and people and communities are destroyed from what happened. And it's like, oh, there we go. Let's drop it. And that's when they, they did the May 2020 announcement. Yeah, so, well, and I mean, if it was all about the, public safety, it was, if it was such an emergency, a public safety right. emergency, why didn't they do it in 2019? They sat yeah. on it. They sat on it. And waited to use that as a political chip. Yeah. So, I mean, if waited I were, if I were to, to, to speak on behalf of, from the perspective of their morals, then, you know, they risked public safety for whatever, a year before that just sat on it and, and let the shootings continue and the, and the victims cry for their, you know, the historic, you know, uh, pain that they've suffered, all waiting for a, a way to use, to throw that chip down for political reasons to, you know, to, to help themselves to get reelected. You know? Well, and that's why you'll remember too, during that time, there was a lot of um, talk and uproar over Bill Blair pressuring former RCMP Commissioner Brenda Lucky to provide him the information with, with what kind of guns uh, the Nova Scotia shooter, I'm not going to say his name, but the Nova Scotia shooter used. Well, there's a reason for that because he really, really needed him to have an AR-15 so that he could drop this ban, have it supported, and have it go through, right? Well, so yeah, so it is interesting that an AR-15 shows up in that crime scene <laughs> when an AR-15, I think, was ever used in two criminal shootings like of an, of an individual in Canada in Canadian history. Mm -hmm. Um Anyway, that's weird. I guess uh, it was quite a coincidence. and Just happened to be. You know, and they not only did they sit on this program for, and you know what, if, it's funny, because I was part of the the, uh, the Mass Casualty Commission um, effort, right? And mm -hmm. they came out with recommendations that the AR-15 and all these other guns should be banned. And it's like, well, you know, and our question is, well, would that have stopped or even mitigated the the uh, Nova Scotia mass shooting, right? The the spree shooting is that what, was actually what it MCC, was. Yeah. And they're like, well, yeah, yes, and it doesn't matter, right? Well, it's then why didn't they do it a year earlier? Maybe they could have prevented it. You know. Well, and it wouldn't have had any impact because he didn't get his guns in Canada. He's, he got his guns illegally smuggled, like pretty much everybody else who's you're, doing you're, violent. You're talking shootings, like a but... rational person, and when we're talking about the liberals, there's no place for that. Yeah. So I need you to stop that immediately. Okay. Yeah. Ra yeah. Rational, physical realities have no place in political talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But get, going back to the story, though, you know, I'm upset that he lied to Canadians about, about the cost. They knew full well, you know, and even $1.8 so $2 billion, even that is a very conservative estimate. Um, we all know that's like, you know, oh, the, the long gun registry only cost $2 million, $2 billion later. Like, it's insane, right? So we know it's going to blow way bigger than that to begin with, which is exactly what we've been saying all along. And we were, you know, called every name in the book by the antis for it. But the government themselves, the liberals knew full well this is going to be a multi-billion dollar endeavor that taxpayers are on the hook for, you know. So, so how else can they get taxpayers to support this? program is get them when they're vulnerable, get them when they're hurting, right? Yeah, we'll sit back and wait <sighs> for a mass shooting. And then when the mass shooting is, roll it right out and lie about the costs, lie about all this stuff. Like Bill it's, Blair- It's tough, man. <laughs> is, a, is an absolute liar. 
and he can come and sue me if he wants. I'm right here. They know exactly where to find me. So that guy, man, does he lie a lot. And he lie, it's un, he's unflinching. Well, he flinches a lot. I think it's just whatever. He's got a tick or something. But he, he just, it, it does not even, I, I don't even know that he knows when he lies. He's just, no, he they just lie says like whatever they needs to be said at any given time for whatever mm -hmm. he needs to do. But not only did they lie about the costs, that whole time, remember, they were doing the circuit after the shooting when they rolled oh, the yeah. buyback out, you know, and, and the gun ban out. All he lied in every, probably every, I have to go back and look, right? But every every time he mentioned a number, what they thought it would cost, it was a lie. And he knew full well it was a lie because he had had that information in 2019. Yeah. Well, and people accused us when we said, no, no, it's actually going to be billions of dollars, you know, to, to do this. I mean, not even just the cost of, of paying individual gun owners, but the just the logistics, the administrative cost of doing a program this massive, a quarter of a million rifles from a country the size of Canada, it's insane, right? It's unimaginable, which is why I've always said it. I don't think it'll ever actually um, be able to happen. Um, but like he, he full well knew the whole time and still, you know, still stuck to that story. And people said, when we said, no, no, it'll be billions, people said, Oh, the gun lobby is just, you know, trying to inflate the numbers and they're trying to fluff the numbers, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's literally right in their documents. Yeah. They knew too. Oh yeah, they totally did. So not only did he lie about that, but then they interfered in the RCMP investigation of the largest spree shooting in the history of the country because they wanted to know the guns so they could push this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Which was just and they did. incredibly just wow, like just immoral, like malevolent, just horrible, right? And they did that. And then they, and then Bill Blair and everybody, they all lied about doing that on top of it. They lied about interfering for the for political reasons to make themselves, you know, look good and, and to sell this buyback. They lied about that too. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, just. I hope it was all worth it to him. I don't know. I don't, I couldn't sleep or live with myself, but. Just, We're not the same. Yeah, these are these are some these are some really bad people. Like some of the worst people there are. These are bad people. Mm -hmm. Anyway, enough about these uh, these people. Okay. Yes. So um, the most important solution right now is a political solution for all this. So we thought we would mention that uh, we are shipping those posters. So if you participated in the Scrap C Twenty One campaign and you got your gun store or your range to uh, request posters that we would send for free. They are done. You have some with you, I think. I do. I do. I'm going to put you full screen here. Stand by. Let me back up here. These are big. So these are really nice size posters. I don't know if you can see that. Can you see that? Yep, you bet. Yeah. So these are beautiful. These are free. We have them in English and French. I've got a French one right behind here. So come back. Don't worry. We've got your back. Um, but yeah. So if you don't know what these are for, maybe you've missed it and some time has passed or you missed that episode. But if you go to scrapc21.ca, you're going to find out how you can help fight against this bill, which, of course, encompasses that handgun freeze ban, they call it. Um, but what's really important is there's a lot of uh, Canadian gun owners or, or people who would be supportive of this who maybe aren't on social media, who maybe don't watch podcasts, and we need to reach them, too. So what does every single gun owner do? They go shopping. They go to the range. They go to the club. So get a hold of your favorite gun shop. If you own a store, contact us. Go to scrapc21.ca. Scroll right to the bottom of the page, and there's a button there. Request 
posters. That's what it says. Click on it, fill that out, and I will personally send you these free. Ship them right to your door. So you can put them up in the store. If you're a gun club or a range, we'll send you a whole bunch. You can put them up in the different bays or wherever, wherever you can. And this will help engage people who maybe otherwise aren't online or whatever. It's got tons of information. It's wordy, but that's intentional. Um, and of course, there's a QR code that they can scan if they've got a smartphone and it'll take them to all that. But but yeah, it kind of lets people know what's going on. And I think this is a really kind of a, a really simple way that we can get the message out to people who maybe otherwise wouldn't hear it for obvious reasons. So yeah, these are free. So click the button on scrapc21.ca, request your posters, and I will personally get them out to you. Awesome. Yeah. And the, yes. and the, the information that's on the poster is what the liberals try, what they're doing and what they tried to do. Because you can't forget about what they tried to do. They'll try it again, yeah, too. They, they tried to the point. ban single-shot rifles. They tried to ban yeah. all the Mauser Sporters, the Parker Hale rifles, all these, you know, um, bolt action. They tried to ban the SKS, everything, right? So anyway, yeah. you got you to make sure that you know what they tried to do and you don't forget it when it comes time. To, to take that one shot that you have every four or so years <coughs> in the ballot box to make a difference. So, um, yeah. all right, now um, we'll wrap it up with the new store. We don't have any products to show you because they're just, we're just getting the last few produced now, but we have an all new store with uh, all new products. Yeah, that's right. So if you go to the ccfr.ca and go to the merch shop, you'll see it's been revamped. There's all kinds of new products on there. I've been down there looking at some of these hats and tees the t-shirt material alone is completely different than that kind of tri-blend that we had before. These are really nice t-shirts and they're built to last. So we've upped the quality. We've upped the decoration on them. These are all private label. It's really, really nice stuff. And now that we brought the store in-house, it's, you know, I, I say store. It's not like a pretty retail store, if that's what you're picturing. It's a warehouse. Um but we've got a little warehouse. We've got some space there. And this way, the CCFR benefits a little bit more. We, the shop was successful before, but our, you know, our profit off of that or our ability to fundraise through it was sort of limited. So that's changed a lot. Um, there's all kinds of new stuff. And new stuff will continue to come out in the store. So always check back every now and then. Christmas is coming. There's no better way to show your support for the CCFR and get really cool gear for under the tree than going to ccfr.ca and hitting the merch shop. Oh, yeah. All right. That's awesome. Yeah. And thank you everyone for your patience. I know we relaunched on November 1st and, you know, it's been a little bit rocky. Some of our stuff's a little bit delayed getting decorated in that. We're going to have some growing pains for another week or two and then never again. We'll be on track. So... Well, I don't want to say never again, but we will be on track. The store will run smoothly. And from now on, you get little extras in your order, some little stickers, and there's little goodies that we'll put in there. <coughs> so it's just, it's a better value for you and a better value for us. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that wraps it up for uh, the stuff that we have on our list. We'll be back next week with our regularly scheduled podcast and our TV show as well. I You got this extra one because I needed to... We need to get all this information done, and I need to do one next week to get back on that, or that regular schedule because I do the TV show and the podcast at the same time. So you'll get a bonus one. We'll have lots of clips, and we'll have lots of laughs because the oh, yeah. uh, the anti-gunner Twitter feeds have been going crazy, 
And uh, there's all kinds <laughs> of all kinds of clips to check out. So we're gonna have a good time um, on next uh, next Wednesday or next Thursday. All right, we will see you then. All right, that's going to do it for episode 153 of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for watching uh, the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, as you know, regularly scheduled podcast next week. Also, um, if you have friends that are gun owners and they're not watching the podcast or not following the CCFR on socials or something, tell them to try to like, follow one of our accounts or something. We have a, a wide variety of social media accounts, and they are all busy. There's tons of content on all of them. And it's really important because there's ways that they can participate in fighting against the government, fighting against this unprecedented attack on licensed gun owners, only licensed gun owners. So um, when we stand together, we're very powerful. When we're atomized and divided, we can just be swept aside by any government and media, right? It's very easy for them to do that. Hard for them to do that when we could do things like launching the big lawsuits and appeals and press conferences and being there to comment no matter where in the country that is, you know, um, and all of the political stuff, the election advertising, the billboards, you name it. We, we, do, we can do these things, and I'm in that privileged position of being able to throw that weight around. I feel extremely privileged in that way. Why? Because we're all standing together. We're all contributing what we can, me included contributing what we can to this fight. And man, we swing a big stick as a community, right? So anyway, that happens when we all participate together. So you can follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Rumble, YouTube, TikTok, Telegram, and we have a Discord server now. And that Discord server is for CCFR members only. You can't, you have to prove that you are a member, a current member of the CCFR to get in there. I'm not a Discord guy, so I can't give you the, uh, the uh, details on that right now. Maybe if I remember, I'll jot that down and talk about it in the next podcast. But there's a lot of different ways that you can find out what's going on in our community. And it's really important that you, you, uh, you stick with that. So, for example, you should know that you should be asking your club executive, did you contact the CCFR and order those posters and put them up on every single range at our club so that people know what the liberals try to do and what they are doing? Right. Stuff like that. It, it's we got to we have the legal solution, as Tracy and I talked about, and the political solution. The political solution is the ultimate one um, for our fight, because in our system, as I mentioned, government can do whatever it wants. So if the liberals can do whatever they want, the conservatives can do whatever they want when they get elected, too. So anyway, that's that's how we get our guns back. So anyway, one last thing I want to mention when uh, Tracy and I were writing down all the stuff uh, to talk about in the podcast She's looking through the comments because I was looking for that comment that I talked about, right? And she saw one and it was like, Rod looks really skinny or something like that. Is he okay? Or something something like that. And, and I, I don't know if it was last podcast or the one before that I mentioned. Yes, I have lost. Actually, it's 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 up around 30 pounds I've lost in the last, uh, last three months. So anyway, yeah, I'm doing fantastic. I'm doing great. Don't worry about that. I just got to get out and buy some new shirts because all my... This is one of the... This shirt used to be tight on me, so um, you know I'm running out of those shirts that I I, I wasn't able to fit in before. But as far as uh, when I when I talked to you before uh, about what I what I've been doing and how I lost all that weight and like in five weeks kind of thing, um, I'll I'll try to do a CCFR sidebar, but that's extracurricular because we have so much going on right now. And um, uh, but I'll find the time to do it, and then I'll tell you all about that on the side, not in the podcast. Anyway, thanks again everyone for watching. Take care and we will see you next time.
This is another episode of the CCFR Radio Podcast. Remember, if you don't stand up for your own ability to own and use firearms, who will? Join the CCFR or donate right now at www.firearmrights.ca.